Elle Michelle's Affair is an R&B-rooted cinematic soul ensemble led by New Yorker Leon Michels. Elle Michelle's has been active since 2005, creating a catalogue of charismatic, groove-orientated jazz, funk, Afrobeat and more. Leon Michels has worked in numerous high-profile sessions for the likes of Mark Ronson, Chicano Batman and Lana Del Rey. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. Welcome back, everybody, to Roots to Grooves. Woo, woo, raise the roof. Woo, woo. I am Jay Purcell. I'm Jesse Quigley. That makes this Roots to Grooves. We are happy to be back. We're talking about L. Michelle's affair. How's everybody doing today? How you doing? Good to have you on. I'm good, Jay. Yeah. Thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I should uh, (laughs) be able to uh, cat... count the episodes so i know what episode we're on right now and and unless we really balls up an episode and it doesn't get released which has only happened like three times with uh, our certain artists that we've tried to talk about our worst episode i mean it was a good episode but just as but, far as but producing we, it and getting it released who was the artist war paint oh that one didn't come out yet that one <laughs> no the other one uh who are we talking about? You know, the artist that we keep recording an episode for and we have technical issues and it never comes out. Well, I thought that was Warpaint. No. I, I that have, one was just technical if, if That issues. one was just, I was really drunk towards the end and it was <laughs> like, you were talking about things and I was just like... <laughs> and I and I can't, I can't bring my... Because I edit these videos as well in the audio. I can't bring myself to see me being a dick on camera just yet, you know. <laughs> It's very cringeworthy. We like, got to come to terms with it. <laughs> I, I feel that. I feel that. Um, I, I can't remember who the other one is. The singer from the UK. Um, yeah, we can't remember. You know, we'll think about it later. It's like we can when we're gonna fuck up. We know we we reel, we reel out the artist name. It's like oh, it's not gonna be another episode, is yeah, it? Yeah, like yeah, Another another situation. But now we can't remember it. So that's great. We're blanking on now. Good, good, wonderful. It's, it's to be it's meant to be not remembered <laughs> exactly not to be viewed it will never come out but yeah it's, i think we're in our 50s though we're up there in the 50s by the time this comes out we're in we're after 50 yeah we'll let, after 50 we'll let you know on the show, socials because yeah. we're gonna have yeah. a celebration for it we're gonna have to yeah. celebrate that yeah it's good to celebrate things yeah. celebrate life when we get to 100 it'll be like whoa we've done 100 episodes that's the goal <sighs> after that gotta get to a thousand yeah you you said to me before your goal is at least a thousand we got to get to a thousand. At least, a otherwise thousand we're episodes. just we're just we're just counting pennies, you know. Like exactly, yeah. But um, El Michelle's affair this week on Rose Grooves, a uh, has been described as cinematic soul, um, R and B root, yeah, elegant retro soul, funk soul, hip hop, jazz. I mean, yeah, I, I would say yeah. rooted in in R and B, and kind of funk. Groove, grooveability, yeah. Um, but they they synthesize like vintage groove oriented jazz, yeah, yeah, and soul, yeah, funk, yeah. Um, I saw one thing that said rock steady. I've never heard mm. that term before. Yeah, that's more of like a reggae thing, rock steady. Okay, 
So they do have yeah. some rock um, or reggae kind of influence stuff. A little bit, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. It is in there, though, as, yeah, yeah. as minimal as it is. And then Afrobeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even hip-hop, yeah. as we'll see. Yeah, yeah. as we'll see. In a big way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, basically, L. Michelle's. Yeah. This is the dude. Uh, Leon Michelle's, yeah. It's a guy, right? Yeah. Leon. He's basically the band leader, producer, plays saxophone, flute, keys, Guitar, bass, percussion, he engineers, he produces. It's basically his project. He does have a lot of um, other musicians that collaborate with him on, on these albums, um, including some of the people. Homer Steinweiss, he's a great drummer. He mm -hmm. plays with Manaheim Street Band, a um, couple of other uh, groups. I think that drummer also has created a band with one of the guys from the Black Keys as well. So... Okay, like and I know um, Michelle's has worked with Black Keys. Yeah, and uh, and Thomas Brennick is another person of note who does guitar and bass sometimes. He is also like a big guitarist that played on Charles Bradley records, Mannheim Street Band as well, mm -hmm. Bud Budos Band. He played. He's and the Budos. guitarist in Budos Band there we as go. well. Yeah. And I like that guitar work in Budos Band. Yeah, and a, and a bunch of other people. Uh, great, like keys, trumpet, brass, keys, brass bass guitar keys brass people yes yes so <laughs> i mean so let's dive in because this yeah. this is an interesting fellow yeah, yeah and this band is really cool yeah so this was a j pick yeah yeah by our, our own jay purcell thank you yeah so good pick um fun music good music solid um, musicianship yeah um been around for a while yeah first stuff coming out in early or mid late 2000s 2010s. What do you call those? The, the aughts. Uh, is it the noughties? The knots. The aughts. I've seen aughts. I think we called it. Oh, is that is it the night? No, the ninety. We called it the noughties in England when it hit 2000. 2000 to 2010 it, is the the, the noughties. We called it the noughties in England. The noughties. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, here come the noughties. Yeah. Um. Look well, out. Exactly. Yeah. Look out. <laughs> that fucking. Millennium bug didn't get you. The noughties will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y2K, watch out. <laughs> um, that's uh, By the way, that's not been the first reference to Y2K. You mentioned Y2K on like a episode some way back. Uh, I'm, I'm a 90s baby. Oh, baby. Go. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing you remembered. It's like the, the world's going to come to an end because computers can't figure out numbers yeah. or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, what, what, what was I born into? And then nothing happened. It was anticlimactic. That's what I remember. Yeah, my grandparents had a, a, a downstairs like closet stocked with really cans and cans yeah because of y2k yeah i think so really yeah specifically wow so like low-key preppers damn and then there's some serious preppers out there but we're not talking about y2k i don't want to get nah. off there. well so el michelle's first actual album came out in 2005 mm -hmm. but prior to that a lot of singles a lot of 12 inches they call them 12 inch vinyl singles yeah well let's let's dive on back because even yeah. before he came out with his original music he was already um a session musician right yeah, and yeah. so he started playing very early yeah yeah and i don't have i don't know do you know any of his childhood when he first instruments or was his family musical his i don't know about his family but i know his very first instrument was saxophone okay nice um and his teenage years he said he had a great schooling experience i he basically grew up in in new york area um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure specifically what which borough, area, which borough or whatever, but um, he did. Um, uh, he, he he praises his teachers because he got 
in he got introduced to a lot of like jazz music by his teachers and was in jazz band in high school and stuff like that mm -hmm. and met some of his earliest collaborators whilst he was in high school people that he still plays with as well um and uh and yeah it was just like a lot of sort of traditional jazz stuff um when he when he met the budos band guy thomas brannick because he's known him for a really long time as well mm -hmm. probably like Budos band formation time period as well. Budos, um, Budos band brethren. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those guys introduced him to a lot of like the deep funk side of things as well. So he was into like, um, you know, uh, let me see. I, I, want, I want to get this correct because he did mention some um, jazz musicians. I'm doing the, the search. A rare search mid-air on-air search. Okay, so his, his, one of his young teachers put him onto artists like Benny Carter, Benny Goodman, Johnny Hodges, Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington is like one of the only ones I really recognize out of that list of people. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big name. Yeah, and uh, so in the fifth or sixth grade, he said he was pretty obsessed with jazz. Nice, okay, yeah. so he's a strong yeah. foundation yeah. For, for jazz yeah. and uh, groovy yeah funk and stuff yeah and then um yeah so popular jazz from the 40s and 50s as well is was what he would say that is um and then he got into james brown and the meters um from his friends philip lehman and gabe roth who were from a label record had a record label called desco which sounds like a really old label but i think it was newish but see the these guys are like Manham Street Band, Budos Band, Daptone Records mm -hmm. is like the late, one of the labels, and Big Crown Records, which is associated with Daptone Records. And they mm -hmm. have all these retro names, but they, I think they specifically called themselves something like that was harking back to the types of record labels that you would see written on old 45 records from like the deep funk era of like the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. And and all and these labels really are embracing that old gritty sound as well. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so when I first heard of it on Michelle's Affair, I think I heard Enter the Thirty Seventh Chamber, which we can talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was one of those albums that I was just like, this sounds straight out of like, is this a French guy from the sixties or seventies, and it's been reissued? That's what I thought. Mm. but no it's this new guy on the scene releasing music now yes um which is very interesting so yeah so um, i mean what yeah. there's basically four or five lps that he's released under el michelle's affair yeah and um i mean up until 2021 yeah, yeah. just to give everybody an idea yeah, first yeah. album came out 2000, 2005 yeah let me slow down a little bit i'm trying to rush my okay. words all right 2005 the first album came out <laughs> the latest album came out 2021 mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of time in between yeah um, where he this guy's prolific though he's working on a lot of ideas yeah um from what i was reading a lot of throughout his discography he'd have a bunch of ideas and he'd be like yeah this would be a cool idea for el michelle's affair yeah but then he would end up giving it away to these other artists yeah, yeah. so he's kind of ghostwriting i guess you could say or yeah or just writing producing for other artists yeah, yeah. whether or not it's for his own um band yeah so anyway yeah um early life has a background in jazz yeah 
when he, jazz band in high school yeah and yeah, yeah. I, I can't connect every single little dot to yeah. how he got there but in his yeah. teens he was playing in the mighty imperials yeah um then it, which is a meters a band called meters yeah inspired house band yeah, yeah. um and that was for a brooklyn-based record label called soul soul fire yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if it's soul fire or soul fire label yeah yeah um but yeah, he was, he was like literally 16 years old at this time, and he built a reputation for balancing. I, I was reading this. It said humor and deep emotion mm. with the raw, bottom-heavy production aesthetic. Mm. Um, but anyway, he was playing saxophone for Raekwon. Yeah. Like when he was in his teens. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, um, he, he played saxophone with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Yeah. And real quick, just want to head it. What does dap mean? Because there's dap tones, there's dap kings. What's dap? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like a hip term that I'm not hip to. Yeah, okay. That's dap. I'm not hip enough either. Then. Dap. <laughs> I'm not dapped up. Yeah, like dap me up, like, you know, baseball players, like, give me a high five. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Anyway, let us know yeah. if you guys got some yeah. interesting, um, what do you, what do you call it? The nomenclature. Yeah, yeah. Vernacular. <laughs> Vernacular. <laughs> Um, um, but so cool. But yeah, so he's he's playing sax for Raekwon. Yeah, um, he's with playing with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings when he's still a teenager. Yeah, um, I guess he was Raekwon's favorite session musician. Yeah. Um. So so I read. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was working with everybody from Beyonce and Jay Z. Yeah. To the Black Keys, like you mentioned. Yeah. So this guy's a yeah. young lad with a lot of talent working with huge artists. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of right off the bat. Well, it's interesting um, how some of those big names come about because some of them he's worked directly with and some of them he hasn't, even though he's credited to have been working with them. As some kind of ghostwriting or production work? Well, let me tell you about this. Ooh. After I'm excited. Uh, his very first release under El Michel's Affair, um, 2002, <laughs> 12-inch single, final single, can't find this anywhere online. You can. You can find it on YouTube. You, you can't find it on uh, Spotify or Bandcamp. anywhere. I guess YouTube is considered a music streaming platform at this point of, of, uh, of sorts, even though uh, there's a video component to it. Um, this came out on the Soulfire label yeah, that you mentioned. Mm. Um, and it came out as a 12-inch in 2002. And I think it's pretty long because it says part one. So there might have been a side A and a side B, and it was mm-hmm. like continued sort of thing. Um, oh, but... Let me uh, mute whatever is playing in the background so I can play this thing instead. All right. Sneaking that in mm. there, very mm. first release from El Michelle's Affair under that name came out as a 12 inch final single on Surefire. Surefire, and that's called Easy Access, yeah, Easy Access. But it's not so easy access on the internet unless you have YouTube, which I know is very hard to gain access to. So, ah, you gotta log in and you gotta have internet. You know, the bad thing about uh, YouTube music is like, unless you pay for it, you can't close the app and just listen to the music, mm, yeah. That's a little thing, a little gotcha that they have there. 
Yeah, come on, YouTube. Come on, YouTube. Um, But so he was putting out like a bunch of these sort of singles and he was still had uh, the Mighty Imperials as a group with his two sort of like high school buddies kind of thing. They continued and he still plays with them to this day. They still appear on El Michel's records kind of thing and collaborate with him. Um, But so basically like he was doing all this through the noughties up to 2010 um he i think this is a guy that has a lot of like good networking or just in the scene sort of thing right because he uh he worked on um uh the first release i think it was on big crown records for this singer called lee fields and uh lee fields is like this like singer soul singer that has been around since the 60s like his first single was out in 69 um, this guy had worked with Cool and the Gang and a bunch of other people. A lot of people re- say that he sounds a lot like James Brown. So they call him Little JB. It's like a nickname, this guy. Little JB. Yeah. Um, but so like um, Leon like worked on a track for Big Crown Records for Lee Fields. And it caught the ear of Dan Arbuck from Black Keys. Mm. Um, Black, and he, uh, Dan Arbuck, cold called Leon. And was like, we're going on tour and we're looking for like a live bass player and a keyboardist to join the band to go on tour with kind of thing. And so they asked him to play bass and that's how he got involved. Like went on tour with the Black Keys, which is, you know, they're, they're a big band, right? They're like, we haven't talked yeah. about them yet. They're like... Uh, no, but they've been around for a while. They've been yeah. prolific. Yeah, yeah. And even just re- in the last 10 years of their yeah. band yeah, odyssey... Yeah. Have they reached a higher level of success than they ever yeah. have? And they're just a duo, guitars and drums, like the White yeah. Stripes, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is really interesting. I think they had some beef with the White Stripes for a little while. Did they? Because of that. <laughs> each other's ideas and being a little similar in some uh, ways. Just because it's a guitarist and a drummer. It's like, yeah, uh, I, don't I don't think know. there's that many similarities. I think no. it was a... No. But... Um, no yeah, merit. Yeah, so he like he went on tour, and it was through that tour that he met Raekwon, I think. Um, mm-hmm. how that came about and then um we we got to talk about the wu-tang connection right because this is kind of crazy um, yeah so this happens pretty um early on in the career but did, yeah. did we already talk about um that that first album oh yeah no actually yeah let's let's before we get there yeah you're right 2005 sounding out the city yeah i I opened up tonight with a track off of that album called musings to myself Mm -hmm. and um it was all original album um by leon uh with a few like guest musicians and stuff like that and it's yeah i don't know if you heard it but it's uh it's great like you know we just played that first track and it's very consistently like deep funk soul you know jazzy horns all uh-huh. in, all instrumental there's no vocalists on it right um, yeah this is this yeah. is the album i started listening on yeah yeah i started here and went up from there yeah and yeah very good very consistent all the way through yeah yeah um the horn section um you know brass section whatever you want to call it kind yeah. of leading the way as far as melody and melody yeah. and it kind of taking over the vocal yeah, yeah part of you know if a band would had a vocalist right and yep. it's an instrumental act and kind of that, yeah, those yeah. horns, that sax, trombone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a trumpet in there. It's a whole brass section, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, great. All the way through. Sounding Out the City, 2005, 11 songs. Yeah. 
straight all original music did he write it all or was, did he have collabs he wrote it all but i think and i'm not sure about this album but like um definitely all of the albums i didn't hear specifically about this album but all of the others i definitely heard the fact that the, he gets musicians together and they jam mm -hmm. and that's where the songs come from kind of thing. right he's kind of um, curating yeah the band yeah yeah and then seeing what happens and kind of producing yeah. what happens yeah helping that idea move along into yeah i guess we could talk about that now his approach a little bit maybe okay it's very interesting to me um so he said like very early on when he was still a teenager he got gifted um and this is not a four track club he's slightly more elevated it's not computers it's not four track cassette tape it's in between this 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 uh piece of machinery called the tascam 388 picture on the screen right now look at it beautiful jesse will see this in nine months time I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning about this with you guys in real time in your real time so it's like so it's eight tracks it's got a mixer embedded in it right but instead of a cassette tape it has the reel to reel tape in it hmm. so it's better quality um he was gifted this machine and he said he had it in his bedroom for the whole time and that track we just played was recorded on that and uh and he recorded a lot of his early material on that machine and uh and he he's since uh so like right now he said he has access to two recording studios um and they're both like analog equipment vintage mics reel to reel stuff kind of thing and he's and he also has the the four the crappy four track tape that thing as old well. crappy yeah, yeah. four track <laughs> i hate those but here's the interesting <laughs> thing is like because his, his music sounds very organic and analog right but his process is basically he'll 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 record everything on all these tape machines and even reprocess things on other machines mm -hmm. and then eventually he does put it all into pro tools mm. and he said he's not a purist he said like he still uses pro tools like he said he he said he has no idea how he would be able to finish music just purely on tape like it would be way more complicated to do it that way that's how i see it yeah so he's using all of this gear the outboard gear you know rack units of effects old vintage microphones miking techniques tape machines and then he eventually does bring it all into pro tools to finish off the track sort of thing mm -hmm. so that's why like a lot of these jams are recorded with like sometimes just with one mic in the middle of the room kind of thing mm -hmm. and then he'll bring that into pro tools and then chop it up and and do some extra sort of tweaking and arranging of music and, and things in that way but the interesting thing he said about that is like he doesn't like to do more than 16 channels in pro tools of music that's like, kind of his own cutoff. Yeah, he's just like any more than that, it gets more complicated. It's too much to deal with, sort of thing. Yeah. So to the point where he said, like, usually he only has like two mics on the drums or one. Hmm. Um, and he said there's been a time where they had like five mics on the drums, everything was mic'd up, but he still mixed it, processed it, and bounced it down to two channels because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to mess around with like five channels of dra drums in his. Uh, in, in pro tools kind of thing yeah i think that's great i mean yeah. that's just a good point yeah to throw out there that you even if you have all of this extra information yeah you don't have to use it all you can still no. distill it down to something that's more simple exactly yeah and you can still get professional quality results exactly yeah easier to work with than that and so it's interesting yeah he said he you know he uses these analog tools 
for the sound, for the inspiration, for the vibe. Mm -hmm. um, but then he ultimately finishes everything digitally, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so kind of best of both worlds. Yeah, best of both worlds. And he's also said he's started getting into Ableton um, and coming up with like loops in Ableton and stuff like that. And he, it, it's funny because he's the only person I've heard say this, but I've said this a lot. Do you ever play? Did you ever play Tetris? At uh, all, ever on anything. Casually, a little bit. Yeah. I definitely played it. Did you play it so much that when you fell asleep, you dreamt of Tetris, like the blocks falling? Like, no, so? not never that much. Okay, yeah. I think I might have done that too much a little bit in my teenagers. Because <laughs> he said he said his analogy of like Ableton was like that. He'd spend so much time because Ableton is like uh, people don't know it's very sort of colorful screen. There's two ways of working in it. There's like the timeline view and there's like the clip view. And the clip viewer, like these little blocks and stuff like that. So he said he'd spend so much time in Ableton building these loops that he would fall asleep dreaming about slicing audio and like arranging things and stuff. Like that. So it's very interesting that he comes from this analog thing, but but he he definitely embraces the digital and he he uses the best of both worlds to ultimately create um, the music because he says. Um, musically, he said, he says it's always about the performance. Like that's what he's trying to capture is the live feel of coming up with ideas or of hearing a song played out kind of right. thing. And so he takes that approach all the way through from beginning to end to mastering sort of thing, mm -hmm. keeping the live performance aspect as something that's very important throughout all of the steps kind of thing. So I just thought it was very interesting workflow. No. Like, and you know, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still on the, the dream thing because like, I don't. <laughs> do I not do enough things in in to to dream about them, or or, oh. I, or I smoke too much weed at night and then I don't dream. <laughs> Just forget about it. I, maybe that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> if you, I think any repetitive task, right? I mean, playing Tetris is not a task, but it, well, kind of well, is. But <laughs> you have to work for it. But yeah, um, how, much, how bad do you want? How bad do you want those blocks? Um, but yeah, no, if you spend like, any repetitive task, if you spend long enough doing it, you do, I, I've done this with random things, processing images, playing Tetris. <laughs> Not Ableton. I haven't spent enough time on Ableton to be dreaming about Same. that. But um, Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Hopefully I don't wake up in the middle of the night in a sweat thinking about recording Roots to Grooves. Yeah. That'd be bad. I do. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It's like, did I say that on that did podcast? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just in a cold sweat now. If, uh, at least if you're worried about it, you can go on, onto YouTube and check out the video and exactly. see what you said. Exactly. What did I say? Um, but yeah, anyway, so I just thought that was a very interesting um, way of working. And um, and yeah, so he like that's how he puts together these albums. And I think he probably did that for Sounding Out the City as mm -hmm. well. Um, yeah, that's dope. Came yeah. out really good. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, cool album art too. Is that New York? Yeah, I think so. He's it's, like, it's like a skyline. The, yeah, it's like the skyline's at the bottom of the album cover, and then it's yeah. you know the sky takes up most of the album, so it's very mm -hmm. kind of far away and crisp and clean, beautiful day with New York skyline mm -hmm. in the background. Very fitting. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. um, I got a couple little house cleaning things. Side story as we're going along, because mm -hmm. um, Detroit twice was also one of the early tracks. Yeah. I think released on um, Daptone's Misty mm. subsidiary. Okay. I guess it was called Misty. Yeah. And then the founder of the former, la former label sold his studio and equipment to Michelle's. 
And so Michelle's with his partner, Jeff Silverman, mm -hmm. um, started the truth and soul label. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fit it into this timeline. I think it's around this time. Yeah. Maybe either just before this first album or a second or right after. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. El Michelle's affairs sounding out the city was on fast life in 2005 originally. Yeah. And that's what it's on Spotify is 2005 released. I think that's on fast life. And then, um, Truth and Souls' first LP was also sound out, sounding out the city mm -hmm. with a, a subsequent 2006 pressing, mm -hmm. but that's not on Spotify, so I don't know how that is. But I'm just saying what mm -hmm. happened. Okay, if that makes uh, sense. So yeah. side story done. Yeah, um, I think it's still around this time. El Michelle's affair was on stage backing Raekwon. Yeah, and then that sparked a tour. Yeah, with. The Wu Tang Clan. The Clan of the Wu. So what happened uh, is uh, Leon said he had a friend that worked for Toyota, the car company. This is a very strange beginning to a story. He okay. had a friend that worked for Scion slash Toyota car company. We're not sponsored by Toyota. Again, though, Scion slash Toyota. <laughs> well, if you didn't... <laughs> if you're not driving a Prius, then you're not an Uber driver. Then you're right? not driving... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently they were doing these like events, some marketing events Toyota was doing, um, where they'd have a band and an MC and a, like a concert performance series sort of thing. So they were picking artists, doing these events and having MCs backed up by live bands kind of thing. Um, it's a good idea. So, uh, he, he said his record got into the hands of those people and they paired him up with Raekwon. Mm. as a musician and a band to do a, a, a concert and and that's how it went and they did it and it was like fucking great like nice you know he he pulled in his buddies his musician buddies that he knows to form the band to do the live backing stuff from Raekwon at this event and uh and they just all loved it Raekwon loved it like like he said like he's gone on to sort of like call on Leon for like doing other projects other sessions and stuff like that right um and so they decided because the concert went so well and the crowd was going crazy they decided to put out a 45 of this track cream c-r-e-a-m um like the band uh i th no the song cream okay no but i mean <laughs> that's band of Not, the same name right there is a band of the same name but there's no uh, relation no uh, yeah that's not what i meant to say but yeah. just okay we're on yeah. the same page everybody sorry about that yeah um and see this is where this is kind of sacrilegious of me or whatever to the viewers and listeners out there i'm not i love wu-tang what i've heard and i love the stuff that the members have done mm -hmm. adrian young's also collaborated with a few people i think from wu-tang clan maybe um but i don't know enough about Wu-Tang Clown's back catalogue to be able to speak effectively enough about L. Michelle's affair and this single they put out and the two albums they put out as well. Mm -hmm. all, all I think it's like an ode to, uh, it's a homage to Wu-Tang Clan tracks that were, were already out there. Yeah. And I think they sort of redid them in a live way and then got the participation of the members from the Wu-Tang Clan to like rap over it. Stuff like yeah, that. as far as I yeah, yeah. understand, it was yeah. it was Raekwon like opening for Wu Tang Clan, um, and um, El Michelle was with Raekwon. 
Yeah. I, I got the, the impression that at, at some point, you know, those connections connected all of those three together, El Michelle, yeah, yeah. Raekwon, and Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. And that's what kind of sparked the, the you know, culminated in the band's second album, Enter the 37th Chamber. See, this is where my, my knowledge is lacking. I thought Raekwon was in the Wu-Tang Clan. Am I wrong about that? Or is he his, his, his own artist? Hmm. Okay. You guys okay. out in the audience are going to have to oh, let us I'm, know. I'm quickly looking at it. Okay. If anybody... Okay, he was in the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Okay, but he was... So Michelle's was working with Raekwon. Yeah. Member of the Wu-Tang Clan. For this But for he this was working Toyota on Raekwon's separately from the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. But as a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, Raekwon... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they made a connection. Yeah. Okay. And they played some Wu-Tang Clan songs okay. when they were doing the event. So look, look at us. Yeah. We just connected the dots. <sighs> yeah. Whew, I was getting sweaty right there. <laughs> um, but we got Cream, it. though, in this thing, it's C-R-E-A-M spelled out with like periods in between. Each oh, letter. so that's the difference. Okay. It stands for cash rules everything around me. Hmm. And it's... True words. It is a song that came out in 1993 on enter the wu-tang 36 chambers so yeah so basically yeah enter the 37th chamber yeah um 2009 on fat beats yeah label um was uh all most of the songs are recreations of wu-tang yeah tracks yeah, yeah. um you know re-envisioned yeah through el michelle el michelle's affair yeah um stylings yeah Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also what I know. El, Enter the thirty seventh chamber. Kind of drew from library music styling. Yeah. And Afrobeat influences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which yeah, you can definitely hear. So I mean, yeah. library music, Afrobeat, Wu Tang Clan, reimagined. Yeah. Good stuff. And to give people uh, a taste, of, I'll, I'll play this track, Cream. I'm gonna call it Cream instead of spelling it out. We're lazy. <laughs> C R E A M. Um, so they recorded this first, put it out on a 45. The reaction to it was crazy. So they were like, well, let's continue and record a bunch of other tracks and create the album into the seven, 37th chamber. Mm. So let's just play this track that kicked it off, nice. which like inspired the creation of the rest of the album. Cream, cream. <laughs> rules everything um a reinterpretation of the Wu-Tang Clan song by Il Michel's Affair instrumental only and this whole album is instrumental only he didn't actually get the the guys from Wu-Tang um on it but they did do it live a few times and he said there was a certain point where they played live when they had every member of Wu-Tang Clan performing with them live that's epic which is epic yeah uh so um, I, here's what I got we're talking about Enter the 37th Chamber. Yeah. Where the name came from. Yeah. Um, it's a play on the Wu-Tang album, Enter the Wu-Tang, in parentheses, 36 Chambers. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. But there's the reference. 
So El Michelle's yeah. affair is referencing we're we're the next level. We're next taking level. it to the next step. Yeah, yeah. Not like it's better than Wu Tang or nothing like that, but yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of going off the yeah. chronological order of numbers. Yeah. Um, and they thought that was a good thing to do, and it does make sense. Yeah. So thirty-seven chambers, and then they that was two thousand nine, and then twenty seventeen, pretty a while later, um, they he came out of another album, Return to the Thirty Seventh Chamber. Which again is like I think different tracks, different reinterpretations of different Wu Tang Clan songs. I think they're all they're yeah. either Wu Tang Clan tracks yeah. Yeah, yeah. recreated, yeah. or members of Wu Tang Clan doing their own solo material, right? And then those tracks reimagined, right, and integrated into these yeah, El yeah, Michelle's yeah. Affair album. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, second one, Return to the Thirty Seventh Chamber. Yeah, also great. Just more yeah. good stuff. Yeah, very good. And so. That's two albums in a row of not completely original El Michelle's Affairs yeah. and tracks that's, material. Uh, so that's something people said. Like It wasn't until 2020, Adult Themes, that was the first original body of work from El Michelle's Affairs. So that mm-hmm. was like 15 years yeah. uh, with you know not doing that. But he wasn't only, you know, he was doing other things like we alluded to earlier. That's what I was going to um, say. He was very yeah. hard at work and he had ideas for El Michelle's Affair, but he would give them away to other artists who yeah. were, he was working with. So, like, some of the, uh, like, artists, I think the biggest artist that he worked with directly was Lana Del Rey. Okay, nice. On her second album. Um, and uh, it was, uh, so it was, like, her producer that got to know of Leon as well through, through the music he'd already put out and stuff like that. Totally aware of, you know, everything he was doing and his musicianship and everything like that and in black keys and manheim street band and mm-hmm. all these other things um and so he was like called upon as like a, a kind of a producer but like studio musician for lana del rey's second album and uh he said that was a totally different experience he said um him and the producer were like you know or everyone in the room was like funk soul musicians and it was kind of the antithesis of what Lana Del Rey wanted, which is very interesting. But he said that's why it came. That's why he thinks the second her second album worked so well because of that sort of tension in the studio. Right. Of like she wanted things to be like more like Nirvana or like certain things, but she was working with all these people that had all these sensibilities and like funk and soul and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So it was um it was ten it was, it was tension. She he said that she'd like the there'd be moments in the studio where she was literally crying, break down in tears over like the discussion and the debates over how certain songs should sound and be and stuff like that. Um, but it all came together sort of thing. Um, and, and, and worked out, you know? So, um, but that was like his biggest sort of high profile thing, I think, you know, so he was, that was a while that they were working on that album for, um, he also decided at a certain point that he was going to do, um, he was going to make samples for other producers. It was, mm. it was like the way he put it sort of thing. So coming up with um, loops, ideas. He said a lot of orchestral things because he said he knows like a lot of trap producers or hip hop producers didn't want samples that had beats in them. Mm-hmm. So he'd come up with a lot of like orchestral things. and So there was like a certain track that he 
that he put out there and uh, these two producers got hold of it. Um, they wouldn't tell him who the artist was that he was using it for. It turned out to be Beyonce, a Beyonce track that he was, They the producers sampled one of his like loop ideas kind of thing mm-hmm. and put that out. So he didn't work directly with Beyonce. Oh, okay. Even though Interesting. he's yeah, credited as that, but it was like samples and compositions that he made, made specifically for producers to mm-hmm. use. And then it got picked up and, and used in a big way. So yeah. 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 Um, and I, yeah. I would consider that still working with, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it might be semantics that we're arguing, Yeah, yeah. but awesome for him yeah yeah so i mean good yeah. stuff he's hitting yeah. his goals yeah definitely he's doing cool stuff with cool people yeah and that's the thing he said like yeah like you said earlier like he um you know he he was still work on his own ideas in the meantime mm-hmm. and we're like oh yeah that'd be good for el michelle's affair and then he'd just like oh end up giving it away to some one of these producers and then use it in some other track or something like that so so it you know it took a while for him to get this together um it doesn't seem like he's in a hurry He's, no, he's got a lot going on. He also is a family man. He has like three children now and okay. stuff like that. So, um, is he married? Yeah, I think he's married and he has three kids. Good for him. Um, he bought a house recently, I think. Congratulations. In uptown, upstate New York or something. Beautiful this time of year. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I've never <laughs> You've been never there. been out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fall. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, so, and he said like lockdown was a big thing, you know, because he's like, you know, he couldn't uh, collaborate with people in the way that he'd had, had been for like a while sort of right. thing. So he kind of just uh, focused on his family life and gardening, he said, for a bit as well. Um, but 2020 Adult Themes is an album that he put out on Big Crown Records. First new material in 15 years. Um, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, I love it as well. It's... Um, it, it, it is uh, inspired by soundtracks, film soundtracks. Yeah, um, library music. Yeah, library music. Um, kind of similar to, I think, another artist we talked about where they have, or a few artists, where they have like the imaginary film in their head and they create the soundtrack for it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, he said he'd like, he listened to like some French soundtracks that these certain composers had done for like, horror films and stuff like that mm-hmm. and the thing that intrigued him about it was all these like sort of unfinished melodies or little things that were like like musically sounded unfinished but were clearly intended to go with visuals like to enhance a mood or a moment in the film sort of thing right um so that was like part of the inspiration for some of the compositions on this album adult themes yeah um, the whole thing is yeah. it's it's tightly composed yeah. jazz yeah, yeah. and funk yeah, yeah compositions yeah it's it's wonderful and orchestral right there's some orchestral i think there's orchestral yeah. em, um elements in there yeah, yeah if yeah. i remember if that's the right album i'm thinking of yeah yeah he said he thought the music sounded adult whatever that means he said um he said he also likes adult themes sounds sort of provocative yeah no so, well, I, I was yeah. reading some reviews and stuff and, yeah. and people were saying like low-key baby making music <laughs> Well, let's hear, hear some of this. This is I like this track. Yeah, we haven't played that many tracks. Let's play another track. This is called Villa from Adult nice. Themes.
Villa from Adult Themes by El Michelle's Affair. Um, he said for that song, it was like four guys in the room with headphones on looking at each other, like, what should we do next? Uh, As they were playing? Before they did it. And they were like, I don't remember who came up with what. All I know is that once we decided we were going to record a song, we had Villa 40 minutes later. <laughs> so. <laughs> Damn. But again, I think like, you know, he took whatever they came up with in that room and then later um, chopped it a little chopped bit. Chopped and spliced. Uh, yeah, and did some things in, in Pro Tools. Minced. Minced it. Chopped. Yeah. I already said that one. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of cooking. Sliced. Turn. Blended. Blended. <laughs> Pure, pureed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just pureed the base. Yeah. We chopped the drums. No, did you really have to puree the base? Now <laughs> it just sounds big. like nothing. <laughs> So muddy, bro. It's so I... muddy. <laughs> okay. Um, but adult themes, great all the way through. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I could just sit here and play that whole album, to be honest with you. And that mm -hmm. was like, you know, that was a good track. But there's a lot of moments in that album that are like um, a little bit more organic feeling or whatever. Or like, yeah. Like I thought that one was a little bit, a little bit loopy-ish mm -hmm. at the beginning and stuff like that. It was a vibe though. But it's, yeah, it's definitely a vibe. It's meant to be, you know, baby making music. Yeah, but that's a wonderful album. Wonderful album. Yeah, it is wonderful. Yeah. I completely agree. And there's no vocals on that one. No. no. There is some vocals on the, the two Wu-Tang collaborations. Right. And then I think there's some um, vocals on this next album. Is that right? This, there definitely is, yeah. So, um, well, before he did Yeti's Season, which is his most recent release, 2021, mm -hmm. he... He's continued to produce. He produced this album by this guy called Liam Bailey. Um, it was an album called Ikundayo. Featured it on the drop a while ago. Nice. There's, a, there's a post about Liam Bailey on the Signal website as well about his new album. Um, I, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a reggae album. It's like a singer-songwriter reggae album, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me. Um, uh, Leon produced it, so... But it's not like Il Ilmish. It's not funky. It's more reggae. But the way he produced it was um, kind of he took a lot of inspiration from like Lee Scratch Perry and stuff like that, and those sort of old dub and reggae records to produce the drum sounds and stuff like that. Um, and so he did end up re he like reinterpreted the album that he produced as in Il Michelle's Affair. And and put it out called Incondeo Inversions, so it's like a whole El, El Michelle's reinterpretation album of an album he produced, which is so he's done reinterpretations of Wee Tang, and now he's doing reinterpretations of an artist that he's produced some other work for, kind of thing. It's very yeah. interesting. So that that's what's interesting because yeah. he's yeah. he's not like hell bent on coming up with original music for him yeah. himself or his audience. Yeah, yeah. He's he came out with one album and then he's like yeah. I'm going to do two collaboration albums with one right. band yeah 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 group yeah whatever you want to call them yeah yeah and then years down the line I'll do one more yeah like literally 15 years after the one yeah. original music LP dropped mm -hmm. 15 yeah. years later does another one yeah yeah and then the very next year does another one yeah yeah, yeah. 2021 yeah, yeah. is Yeti season yeah yeah so, I mean just kind of interesting like. Yeah, I think he's like he, he's he's getting a bit of more of a work 
also I think like the more he releases with El Michel's Affair and the more people like it, the more people want to hear from El Michel's Affair. Yeah. Versus him have to do other things for income, like other that's, musical projects and stuff like that. I guess that, that's right? what I'm kind of getting at. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say, yeah. but just it's weird to come out with one album yeah. of your own yeah, and then not do it again for 15 years, but continue to work on, yeah. you know, the, the name, still the being moniker. dedicated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, he could have released those under Wu Tang, yeah, yeah. under their name, yeah, yeah. or under a, a separate name. Yeah side project type deal or something but you know i don't I, know just I, something to point yeah. out i think he just he, you know he, he, he's someone that like i think when you work a lot with other people as a musician or as a producer there's a lot of compromise involved in all of that right yeah you know and you're there to serve you know someone else's artistic needs or outlook like with lana del rey you know they were there to really that's why there was a bit of a tension there because they're Ultimately, she's the artist and they were there to serve, you know, whatever her solo project is going to be sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to El Michel's affair, his own project, he doesn't have to do that. He's free to explore whatever he wants to explore, um, you know, and ha still having to have a job, pay your bills, have a family is like not always possible. No, yeah, it's kind of like I have my hand in here and I have my hand in, yeah. in the cookie jar. Like he, he said it was kind of like, uh not so like because during lockdown you know all his family was at home sort of thing so mm -hmm. it was like i can't just go to the studio and like do stuff kind of thing so he like he has to snatch those moments away to like go off and make some music kind of thing right like, and yeah. yeah speaking of which yeah. like we're talking about yeti season yeah what what's that about why is there yeti what season is it but this was lockdown all, and all i know, there was one little story where he uh he dressed up in a yeti costume well and... that's what i was gonna i was gonna tell the story but okay, i guess you can tell the story no, no 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 i think you know it i think you know it better than me <laughs> no i i'm just kidding Go um ahead. i don't i don't know it. you you're gonna fill in the gaps when i is that i thought, obviously don't I know thought that there was much a question about... but there was actually a rhetorical question no, I, I was just leading myself up into my own answer i was <laughs> go ahead what, what happened I'm, I'm totally just kidding around but like yeah. i yeah it was lockdown yeah kids are home because he's a family man mm -hmm. and you know times are tough like everyone's experiencing this how to get your own alone time how to mm -hmm. feel like you're you're making progress with what you want to make progress while you're dealing with the, these other different aspects of your life because mm -hmm. you love both ends yeah. but how do you get both done at the same time yeah. that's the question we're all kind of trying to deal with all the time yeah. or at least we can all you know we can experience a little bit mm -hmm. That thing's still cranking. Yeah, I hear the cranking. little the artifacts in the the audio, so it freaks me out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was like a a cold, snowy, uh, fall or winter time afternoon, probably like a Sunday afternoon. I'm imagining, and he <laughs> he had some time and he wanted to do something fun, so he dressed up like Yeti. I mean, yeah. fill in the gaps because I don't really know this story that well i don't know what you know we don't talk about this that, before we record that's all i know he chased his kids around the backyard yeah. dressed in a yeti costume and so i saw it was one of the one moments that he felt really proud of yeah he was like that was fun yeah i'm glad i did that yeah i made a cool experience with my kids yeah and i had a good time and i think that i made a good memory for them yeah and it was all good energy yeah and so basically that was just kind of the energy that kind of sparked his ideas yeah and he kind of he kind of you know as his muse yeah type of thing yeah and then followed that into making his music and i think i don't know he went into the studio made a track 
yeah. was kind of influenced by these vibes and stuff. Yeah. And then kind of followed that rabbit hole down until he had a whole album worth of music. Yeah. And that became Yeti Yeti season. Was that That's about it. That, was that yeah. about it? Okay. Yeah, that's see, that's uh, the story I was gonna tell. <laughs> um he he began the album though, the, all the tracks for the album, twenty eighteen. So before so like, he had know. some he was working on some stuff beforehand yeah like tracks here and there he said he cut two tracks with uh, the vocalist that appears on this album pia malik um and she's a singer of a band 79.5 and also she's in say she she which is interesting we gotta check those out mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested to check those out he said initially the first two songs i did with pia it was a total one-off had no intention of making a full record. Um, and uh, and it became the scaffolding that you would actually eventually build the album around. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, so, I think it, it yeah. offers Yeti Seasons yeah. a different kind of genre, a different kind of drama yeah, yeah. than what El Michelle's affair has has offered up until that point. Yeah. I think there's some like Mumbai esque. Yeah take on stuff turkish styled funk yeah he said he was listening to a lot of turkish psych folk rock i mean come on <sighs> he mentioned a couple artists baris manko and erkin core erkin core um we gotta check those people out yeah i mean seriously i mean i'm i'm getting more hip to psych rock and psych things in general psych psych whatever. is everything it that's, is everything that's what i'm, I'm saying like <laughs> um but the fact that there's this turkish psych uh, is yeah. like what the hell's that you know <laughs> it's only turkish because yeah. it's a faraway land yeah but it makes it interesting it's like yeah psych is already a type of music that's kind of out there and experimental and then you add like a different culture and a different aesthetic and then approach. It's, it's something new yeah it's something new and you can hear that in in some of these tracks, like, um, and we'll just we'll just play one. Let's, um, yeah. You'll hear it a lot in this one. I played this on the drop a few, well, at this point, many moons ago. Ah, but um, check out the drop though. Good, yeah. Self curated by Jay Purcell. Yeah. Brand new music coming out. Brand new releases. So when this was newly released, came out on the drop. So check out the drop. is another album to own on vinyl people it is i would highly recommend that yeah we're gonna get that one we're gonna get this for the studio yeah we do this would be great to have the studio yeah all these like like look at that weird in outro and stuff like that you know it's nice yeah the ambiance um leon says i'll probably never make another record like this 
I like the idea of Ilma Shilsphere becoming just an outlet to do different shit and weird shit that, and stuff that interests me. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it seems like that's what he's interested in. He doesn't yeah, want to yeah. just like, I'm trying to do this for me, my, my own music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's like, he wants to work with other people. Yeah. He wants to get his ideas out there yeah, yeah. and see what happens. Like he's just experimenting yeah, yeah. as he goes and that's kind of his thing. And that's really cool. I think it's a long process as well because that, that track we played earlier, Villa, apparently um, after they recorded it, he said it sat for a long time because he didn't know what to do with it. Mm. So there is like a lot of post-processing things and stuff that he does after these jams are recorded um, where he flips them and turns them into like their final thing that you hear on the record kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, he said... Uh, oh, he said also the first day they recorded five songs which they made up on the spot one of them was villa so you know so he did those two tracks with pia thinking they were one-offs and then he did five tracks in one day just from jams with the musicians kind of thing so that's already seven tracks right there um uh there was like another song that he said he he was inspired by francois de Roubaix. I think I've meant we've mentioned him before on something. Francois de Robois. Maybe, maybe. Um, he had this one song called Denier de Marcel Canoe. I'm trying to my my French thing. He said it's been like sampled a shit ton by people like Missy Elliott and Lana Del Rey and Kid Cudi. But he said it starts with a percussion loop um, and, and a cello thing. So he wanted to try and recreate that vibe in one of those songs and so he created like that same vibe in ableton actually just by himself kind of thing um like which was the essence of one of the tracks um so yeah again like he's he's experimenting and, and doing different things and not just doing the same process or workflow every time kind of thing yeah you know, so. i really appreciate that about yeah. him yeah that's really cool constant yeah. constant exploration yeah Wanting to do different things, working with different people, trying different yeah. you know, perspectives. And he, he listens a lot as well. It's like because some people asked him, like, "Do you provide like sheet music to other musicians that are coming in with you?" And he's like, "No, I just play um, like a certain record that I'm into." Um, and we're like, "How? Let's recreate that vibe." Yeah, like you know, and he'll, he'll maybe explain it a bit more. He's like. Listen to how the horns do this or how the drums sit here and how this whole thing is coming together kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. like, let's try and emulate that. Like um, on, on some of the um, the stuff that he did with Liam Bailey as well, he said that, you know, I said earlier he was listening to like Lee Scratch Perry and some like old dub records and stuff like that. And he said he, he'd, he, he did this one thing where he put some instruments through a phaser and he accidentally put the drums through a phaser effect as well but it created this sound that was exactly like he'd heard on these old records. And he was like, I'm keeping that kind of thing. And then he realized like a lot of these old, it's like, I don't really understand phasing. You know, when people say things are out of phase and all that, it's very like engineer recording terms sort of thing. But he went on to say that if you listen to these old, like reggae dub records, like the drums were out of phase the whole time. Like, so it was kind of like a mistake that these guys did, but they left it in there. And it's created this inspirational sound now. There's, mm -hmm. there's like an earmark of those records kind of thing. And then he discovered how to sort of do that. Through his own mistake, he discovered how to create that effect kind of thing. 
you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Facing's weird. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just like this weird. Um, I don't quite get it. It's like when it's. I think it's like two audio single signals canceling each other out, kind of. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And it creates this weird hole in the sound or something yeah, like that. Like something's like, not yeah. coming through or yeah, it's yeah, yeah. coming in and out or whatever yeah, yeah. it might be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a music scientist. Yeah. Kind of am, but unprofessional. An unprofessional music scientist. <laughs> yeah. That's your that's your title. That's my official on your title. Your Reese Degrees business card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need a business card. Yeah. So we can give them out with a QR code. Yeah. For the show. For the show. For free. <laughs> For free. You can get a free business card. That's back know. in the day. We used to sell business cards to you know, I'm just joking. I don't want to. <laughs> Do you want to buy my business card? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the problem with phasing is. If there's something that's wrong, then why can't you re-record it? Because I've come across artists that are like, that track was out of phase. We lost it forever. Oh yeah. Well, I'm like that's something I didn't bring you up. You know on... what it's supposed to sound like, and you have the track. Just re-record what needs to be re-recorded. Yeah, yeah. And do it. I mean, it depends what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Like, as somebody who didn't mention on our last episode with Deer Hunter, like apparently he had a. Uh, it's not Brandon. Um, it's Mr. Cox. Bradshaw. Bradshaw. <laughs> We've already lost his name. Bradford. Bradford. Of Mr. Bradford Cox of Deer Hunter fame. Yeah. yeah, he said like, uh, he, you know, I think on the second album or something like that, he was in the studio and they were recording to tape and he heard all these weird warping issues. And he, and he said no one would believe him in the studio. People told him like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he was like, but I heard it and it doesn't sound right. It sounds fucked up. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a difference. No, I, I've experienced that. Like you yeah. hear that weird little, that little tinging sound yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or something. Yeah. And other people don't notice it. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and that's, it, it just goes to show how we all experience essentially the same thing. Yeah. Or literally the same thing. We experience it differently. Yeah. yeah. And what's yeah. the answer? Like it's anything goes. We just all have different bodies. Well, I think we, we learned how to perceive things in a different way. Yeah. I think sometimes in studios, like people are attaching themselves to the wrong causes or in, yeah. any, in any musical situation. If someone has a problem with something, it's like, is it really a problem or are you making it a problem? Like, That's what I think. Yeah. People get so wrapped up in like, I'm a engineer and I hear yeah. something weird and we can't use that whole track. We have to waste that whole day. Yeah. Like, well, well, it's something like um, Leon says about <laughs> recording drums. He said he said there's like um, there's two ways of recording drums. There's a clean way, or there's the interesting way. Mm. And he said the interesting way is is usually better, and it usually only involves like one or two microphones, kind of thing. But, Which goes to show, yeah, like yeah. you were talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like he's he's a less is more. He's more about like the sound and the vibe. Yeah, and the retroness of that, it, and the imperfection of it, is, yeah, t- that creates that quality that is um, s- seductive and interesting. Yeah, I th- and, uh, yeah exactly. I yeah. think that's way that's a good yeah. word. That's yeah. way more seductive. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's anything. Yeah, if you vibe with it, yeah, then yeah. that's the magic. Exactly. Yeah. Go towards that. Yeah, yeah. Follow that. Yeah. I got nothing else. I mean, on that note. On on that note. Is it a note though? Whatever you want us to be, Jay. I think that note was out of phase. We're gonna have to cut this whole episode yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, just the whole episode now. Yeah, what a waste. <laughs>
this whole episode was out of phase. <laughs> yeah, why isn't that a term like that show was out of phase, bro? That's out of phase. We'll see. That's we'll make phasing. it happen. That's phasing. Uh, you phased, bro. Yeah, you're phased. You phasing. You you out of phase. <laughs> I'm gonna it. use it. I'm gonna start it. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here first on Roots to Grooves. Yeah. Okay. If someone's being whack, they're out of phase. Yeah. Or, or no, not whack. I don't know. No, yeah. Whack out of phase. Being is being out of phase a good thing? I think it's it's either really bad or really good. Like, so bro, hey, you need to calm down. You're out of phase, bro. Or like. This shit is tight, bro. That is out of phase. <laughs> context. It's yeah. all about context. Yeah. All right. And got it. Such is life. Yeah. And the English language. Mm-hmm. Got to use certain phrases and terms in, in context. It's all communication. Yeah. Just don't read it as a tweet because, you know, that gets shit gets taken out of context tweets. all the time yeah tweets are touchy jokes and sarcasm does not work don't joke on the internet you can't read something like if someone writes something sarcastically most people will not read it sarcastically mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if you read he it sarcastically said I'm out of phase. exactly yeah. i'm uh deleting rooster grooves <laughs> exactly okay. yeah unfollow cancelled rooster grooves is cancelled <laughs> we hope we're cancelled because that means we're doing something right button there's like like retweet cancel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> cancel us if you dare we bring it on that's been rooster grooves episode 50 something that's all i got on el michelle's affair it's been it's been quite an affair today with that's you been, jay it's been quite an affair i love it this was a good pick by you thank you yeah good I, stuff uh, i like it this i guy's love talented i love adult themes so much that i'm gonna randomly play out with a track that i probably haven't heard before okay i'm down um, I mean, yeah, that's all we got. I guess we're closing out. Yeah. We're going to do a random track by Jay off Adult Themes yeah. 2020. Yeah. This has been Rooster Grooves. I'm Jesse. I'm Jay. If you guys want to hit us up with any corrections or anything cool about El Michelle's Affair, cool facts, fun figures, corrections we got wrong, hit us up at the email. Grooves at signalradio.com, S-I-G-N-L radio.com. And uh, we'll drop a comment on YouTube. That helps us out a lot. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. We're here for you guys. We're here with you to learn and to grow. Appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm going to kill the lights with the song from El Michelle's Affair called Kill the Lights. Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.